Pucks with Ags is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. And welcome to another edition of the Pucks with Hags podcast. I believe this is episode number 17. Don't quote me on that, uh, but I, we're right around there, 17, 18. So welcome in. Uh, we have uh, with us today my my good friend and colleague, uh, Mick Collagio from the Standard Times, longtime Boston Repro- uh, Bruins reporter there. He was at the Don Sweeney press conference at Warrior Ice Arena and uh, was witness to what was going on with the Bruins here during the free agent friends. Let's move on to the hockey. Mick, uh, you were there today. You mm. uh, saw yeah, the signings and frenzy going on, and uh, you, you saw Don Sweeney addressing everybody. Uh, what was your take uh, from Don Sweeney and, and the Zooms uh, that that followed with the guys coming in? Yeah, I only caught uh, the Luch uh, Zoom, um, but uh, but Donnie was uh, very upbeat, um, and uh, I think some people are still clinging to the idea that that Bertuzzi might. <laughs> the Bert window might still be, and he, he acknowledged that, no, yeah. that's not, that's not, uh, you know, him saying highly unlikely at this point is like saying it's, it's in granite, you know, <laughs> well, he kind of said that the other day when we're at the draft in uh, Nashville, you know, he, he told us like, if it's a high end free agent, we're not going to have the money. Like, unless they made a couple more deals beyond the Taylor Hall deal, they were not going to be able to be players for anybody like that. And frankly, after watching their strategy today and the way it played out, they had a game plan going into this uh, July 1 free agency, which was uh, they know that there's going to be a windfall of money coming their way in salary cap space next year, a summer from now, a year from now, uh, because uh, the escrow payments are over with uh, the NHL uh, because of the COVID situation. So the pro, you know projections are the salary cap is going to go up six, seven, eight million dollars, maybe even more than that. Um, so there's going to be a lot more cap space and a lot more room. And the Bruins have more room next year anyway, based on expiring contracts and whatnot. So, you know, I, I think their strategy going into this year was we're not going to tie ourselves to long-term contracts, to big money contracts. We're just going to sign a bunch of bargain one-year veteran deals to get through this one season where we have the salary cap pain and then get on, on the other side. And I found it really interesting, Mick, that basically what happened, and I assumed, look, when Taylor Hall got traded to the Chicago Blackhawks, I assumed that that was to make room for Tyler Bertuzzi. I assumed that that was, okay, that's their way to keep this one player and give him basically the money that they were paying Taylor Hall. I had no idea they were going to go out and get five players for the amount that they were paying Taylor Hall, which is essentially what they did today uh, to be able to fill out their entire roster for next year you know they've, they've got all the forwards they need they've got everybody they need right now obviously it may not be as good a team as last year and you know you're going to get varying results with some of these you know 32 35 34 year old players but I just thought it was like a really smart game plan for the Bruins to make the move they made with Hall free up the space that they did today to sign uh, Milan Lucic one year 1.5 million dollars with the bonus uh, JVR James Van Reemsdyke one year one million dollars Patrick Brown, two years, $1.6 million, basically a fourth-line player. Could be an AHL player, we'll see. Uh, Morgan Geeky, two years, $4 million, a pretty useful player, as we've seen. Um, Kevin Shattenkirk, one year, $1.05 million. That's a Connor Clifton replacement right there. Um, so, you you know, you're looking at some very useful players. They got five times the players for the amount of money they were paying Taylor Hall. I thought that was a really interesting move and, and well-thought-out strategy from the Bruins. 
Yeah, I think they were forced into it too. I don't think they that were. they preferred not to uh, to go one for one and get themselves a centerman or to keep a guy like Bert. But you see what Orloff got in the open market. We don't know what Bert's going to get in the open market, but what we do know is that, especially, and I think you said this before, that this is not um, the star-studded free agent class that we've seen in other years. No. So that means that the guys who do have cachet are going to cachet in. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, so I think that the Bruins knew all along that, look, we're not out of that game. What we got to do here is um, hope that uh, Patrice Bergeron wants to come back and play in the centennial season and yep. build a team that gets a heck of a lot better if he's in the middle of it. And if he isn't, then they're going to have to take, you know, 10 games at a time and decide where they are. But what they've done in the meantime is something that Don Sweeney always does. He has a hope that certain draft picks have had time to develop, whether they've been in college or Europe or AHL, and they come in and then he goes out and he gets people to place in front of them like a set of hurdles on a track. Yeah. Yep. And says, you're not going to get something here because it makes sense for you to, you know, for us to open up the team to you. No, you have to earn it. So he always places veteran players in front. He'll acquire people just to put them in their face and say, all right, here's the guy you got to beat. And, and so I think that that's a big part of this strategy, uh, because we do know that when you when you go uh, with with Band-Aids, whether you're looking at. <laughs> You can go back to the to the uh, 0506 debacle, or you can go back to the next year, which is the first Peter Shirelli year. Um, you get certain area seasons when they've been band-aid type players. When the year Don Sweeney took over and moved out Luch and Dougie Hamilton, there were some band-aid players in that scenario. And most of the time they don't pan out. But one thing I do like is when you get a guy like Geeky. Now he had to overpay for him because even though Geeky is is uh, I think a third rounder and he's a big right hand shot, something they don't have enough of on this team. So you yep. get this big kid who plays center on that team. Um, even though Sweeney loved his five on five game, he was their Thomas Nosek. He was their fourth line guy. He was ten minutes in a regular season, twelve in the playoffs, and I think May fifteenth against Dallas is like six and a half minutes. So. So they didn't expect him to score. And so when they needed offense, they didn't look to him. Sweeney may see the more upside there developing for a guy who's what, 24, be 25 in May. Um, you know, so I, I like that. That acquisition intrigues me the most. Uh, the, the other short-termers, uh, you, you talked about, could it be a haul for Bertuzzi one-for-one? I think what we got is a Polino for Lucic one-for-one, yes. you know? Every everything right down the line, left shot, winger, depth player, leadership, toughness. I mean, the personalities are completely different. But uh, Bruins are very fortunate uh, in losing Felino to to um, get back Luch right now in that same exact role. I think. Yeah, and look, I'm I am like I know there's some mixed opinions from the fan base about Milan Lucic and him coming back because some people look at him and say you know, oh, he's, he's not, he can't keep up skating wise, or like, he's not the player he once was like, whatever. I, I, I love this move. I, I've been banging the drum on this one for a while. I felt yeah, like yeah. there was a lot of interest from Milan Lucic to want to even hump hop on the train at the end of last year. 
You know, I think this goes back to last year's trade deadline, and he wanted to be the guy that the Bruins traded for instead of Tyler Bertuzzi um, at the dead deadline. And he really wanted to have that kind of last run with David Krejci and, and Patrice Bergeron uh, last year. And it comes a little late now with free agency, but, you know, I love everything I heard from him on the zoom about just like feeling like he's always been a Bruin feeling like he's coming home. He's going to be a leader for that team. He is definitely the kind of player you want back in a centennial season. I think he's the kind of player you want to protect the younger players in this lineup and to bring more toughness and intimidation into it and more pushback, something that Cam Neely talked about the other day when we were talking to them in Florida against Florida. And one, one of the things they didn't see was enough pushback from the Boston Bruins in that series. And you mentioned it too, the last time I had you on the podcast, Lucic is a pushback guy. You know, he is going to push back and he is not going to allow some of the stuff that was happening in that series to happen without him having a say so and, and you know, and, and punching back, if not punching first. Um, so I, I love... Uh, especially in a different role where I think as an older player, 34 years old now, he's going to be way more accepting of a fourth line role than he would have been the first time around when he was scoring 30 goals in the season, you know, sometimes and understand that he's also going to have to drop the gloves and defend his teammates. And that's going to be part of the job description. Like, you know, and I think he's going to do it with more passion uh, maybe than anywhere else being back in Boston and with the team where it all started to your point. I wonder if Milan Lucic comes back unless he has some kind of idea that Patrice Bergeron is also coming back too. And I wonder if that's, you know, some kind of connection here. Uh, certainly I agree with you. When I look at these acquisitions, when I look at the team and the way it's built right now and the composition uh, and the players that they brought in, I think to myself, they bring in Shattenkirk, JVR, Lucic, veteran guys that are going to, be primed and ready for a playoff run again because Bergeron's coming back and and I'm not sure they bring that kind of type of player back um if they don't think Bergeron you know if they don't think Bergeron's coming back maybe they do build in some space for some of those younger players to come in sort of prove themselves and, and ingratiate themselves in the lineup. I know that's not Don Sweeney's way to your point and I laughed when Cam Neely and Don Sweeney were talking before the draft about how maybe we have to turn things over to some young players. They're clearly play, bluffing at that point. Cause I knew that was not going to have, that's just not their way. You know, they, they do put veteran players in that, those spots and force the young players to kind of push them out or earn their, the spot against those mm -hmm. veteran players. So I, I, you know, I felt like they were going to do that, but I just look at the names on this list and I look at the players they're bringing in and I say to myself, they're not going to do all this and bring these kind of players in unless they have a firm idea or a hope that Bergeron is coming back for that centennial season. Well, I, I think that um, they would love it if they could have some guys break through some prospects and challenge what's going on with these signings and make them re uh, evaluate a month into the season, two months into the season, or however many months into the season and see what kind of team they're going to have going the next spring. Uh, that that but in the meantime they needed to have guys with credible two-way games uh i didn't really get the jbr part of this um that 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 didn't uh that didn't stoke me you know i feel like right now they they uh, don't have as many right-handed shots as i'd like to see but um sweeney did say that geeky has played wing and that would be a right side uh that uh that Brown has played wing and that would be a right side. 
and uh, and so uh, some of these guys that were slotted in as as center depth uh, may actually wind up playing right wing, depending on how things shake out. If there's one thing about Don Sweeney that we know is he loves players that can play more than one position. Yep. So. Uh, yep. I was a little surprised at the Shattenkirk um, acquisition because I really thought that the players that um, he really dismissed a, a question uh, that had come to him earlier that you may have been witness to about, about uh, will these uh, three acquisitions in the Taylor Hall trade uh, be uh, in development camp? He's no, 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 no. These guys are established players. Okay. Yes. Well, if they're established players and the one who played for Monty is definitely going to play for Boston and maybe the other 24 year old is going to get some looks. Well, now you throw Shattenkirk in there and now you, you've completely changed the equation here and whether or not these guys are going to get that much of a look. Maybe just the guy that played for Monty Mitchell there, he's going to get um, the, the quality looks here, but he's not going to be handed a spot. Um, right. Nobody's going to get handed a spot here. So whoever ever gets anything is going to have to earn it. Um, and uh, it could be an interesting year in the career of guys like AJ Greer. You know, what kind of well, camp that, I mean, do you have? That's what I look, I honestly look when I was, I actually, you know, started drawing out the lines here and what I think they may look like. And Greer is a guy that I put as, you know, uh, 13th 14th forward you know like it, probably in danger of going down to Providence at least for you know some periods of time uh when everybody's healthy just based on everybody else that's there um you know and I had Bergeron penciled in coming back for that to happen which I I think he I I just think he's going to come back I just don't think that game seven is going to be the last game he plays in a Bruins uniform against I'd Florida. hate to I'd hate to think it yeah um I'd hate to think it I'm you know every Every bone in my body wants to not be talking about his retirement until a year from now. Yeah. Um, and, and I think at least. he's been so quiet now too. Like I, I think he would have announced it by this point if, you know, if he'd made his mind up that he was going to retire, but like, I, I want to get back to one thing you said, um, JVR. Uh, I think that makes sense to me because they saw how important Tyler Bertuzzi was to their uh, power play on the net front when he came over um, and, and they, I think that made them realize how key having somebody that's good on the net front is to making that whole power play work and making it as dangerous as it can be based on the way that he played there. And JVR is a good net front power play guy. I think he can fill that kind of job that Bar Bertuzzi was extremely good at and is a pseudo Bertuzzi fill in fr from that exact you know, job he, well, he's a talented guy yeah. who's been a consistent scorer in tight quarters. So yeah. if he can get really motivated to be a more impactful player than what he has been these last few years, then then I could get behind it from a skill standpoint. It'd also be nice to see Jake DeBrusque not have to be that guy every time. Jake yep. DeBrusque has such amazing hand eye and ability to tip pucks uh, and to see pucks coming. Uh, it, but he gets the crap beat out of him in front of the net. You know, it's, it's he's like the offensive end of the net of the game where you know on the defensive end, Grizzly gets a pound, gets a beating, and yeah, DeBrus gets a beating in the blue. And, 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 and unfortunately, like six two, six three, two twenty, like he's a much bigger guy that can yeah, the right. So he, you know, I mean, so it'd be nice to see DeBrus not be a broken down player when the most important hockey happens. You know, just because he's playing the whole game and playing it really well. And it'd be nice to see him in one piece. When um... Take your first swig at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times, it's 10 times 
your first bet amount of bonus bets and up to two hundred dollars. That's right. Just bet twenty bucks and you'll land two hundred dollars in bonus bets. Win or lose. That's two hundred you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is gonna be, well, hitting the first home run. All in the app that's safe, secure, it's super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash Boston. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. But yeah, this uh, uh, Lucha story is a lot of fun. You know, uh, Sweeney said, talked about how uh, Lucha uh, uh, called, uh, texted him at 12.01, wearing a Bruins cap that he went out and bought himself. (laughs) I believe it. Yeah. I, I, he's like, I, I call certain players, true Bruins, you yeah. know, like certain players that come through, they, they fit in the uniform. They fit the style of play. They are exactly what the organization wants, both as people and players uh, off the ice on the ice. And I just think Milan Lucic is a true Bruin. He has always been that kind of player when he was with the Bruins. I always felt like it was weird seeing him in different sweaters on other teams, mm. you know, no matter who yeah. he was playing for, it felt wrong to a degree. Uh, oh, yeah. for other teams where you know he just fit the Bruin style of play and the attitude and just you know he, he's a Bruin style player through and through he is exactly what fans want uh the Boston Bruins to represent from a toughness standpoint from a uh, you know an attitude standpoint uh just from a pride in wearing the sweater stamp like all that stuff in a leadership standpoint he's really good with the young players you know and and I think you know it, it, he's in a different stage of his career as I mentioned before where I think it's going to be a really interesting fit now coming full circle. And I think he's going to be a great leader on that team, uh, you know, along with Patrice Bergeron, if he comes back and the other leaders that they have in there, um, you know, because of the respect that everybody has for him and the way he commands respect. And, you know, I, I love the fact that he went to, you know, he went to the world juniors when he's a 34 year old guy and he wanted to play for team Canada. He wanted to be a leader on that team and kind of a role player and, you know, lead the young guys and, and you know, most of the guys in his situation, they're going off for vacation with their families on a beach somewhere and don't want anything to do with a rank, but not him. He went and go play, goes and plays to compete. in the yeah. world juniors. You know, yeah. he wanted to be a leader and he wanted you mean, to, you mean the world uh, championships, but the world championships, excuse yeah. me. Um, but, but yeah. yeah, that's terrific sign of compete from him to want to do that and play for his, you know, for the crest for the Maple Leaf, you know, so that's, that's pretty awesome. And uh, you know, it's hard to believe he spent eight years in another uniform. I know. And now, now after all this time for the centennial season, we get back Luch. It really kind of puts some, 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 uh, some good vibes back into this season because it was. Uh, you'd like to think that the young nucleus of this team that they're, they're counting on to take another step forward in their careers and make it their team, the Mag. McAvoy's, you know, DeBrusque, yep. that those has got to become their team to a degree that, that, uh, that as they do this and, um, and life isn't always going to be, you know, you're at that stage now where, you know, you're a two-way player in terms of cup half full, cup half empty, you know, it's no longer, wow, you're going to be great someday. We are great now. Let's go. And, yep. and, and, and if this nucleus is that good, 
then we're about to find out and they can redress it as needed when, when they find out what they need to find out uh, through, you know, uh, a chunk of the coming season. And, uh, you know, Lucic addition to the Bruins, Ryan Reeves goes to the Toronto Maple Leafs. I, I think there's going to be some really interesting drama and interplay on the ice when those two teams are playing now with those two individuals playing for those two teams. Now Lucic comes into the equation when you play Florida and Matthew Kachuk starts to try to uh, stir things up. Former Calgary Flames teammates, the two of them, I'm sure Lucic is going to know the kind of buttons to push, push with Matthew Kachuk. You know, I, I I like it from that standpoint as well as sort of being competitive with what's going on with some of the other teams, even uh, and the guy's name escapes me, that guy in Montreal, uh, the tough guy that they have that's like one punching people now, the young guy, the European. Yeah, I know. I know who you mean. Yeah, um, I know he's, he's really large. Yes, <laughs> but like you know, the, the Atlantic division is getting extremely tough and rugged and there it seems like almost he every- ragdolled Cassian. Yes. Almost every team has a player like that now. So I think you needed to bring Lucic back to have that sort of element and answer um, to those other teams. And I think the other young leaders on the Bruins are going to be extremely happy that that guy is there because he makes everybody more courageous when he's in the lineup. There's no question about it. Um, Curious um, for you, uh, just like with the forwards, what you think the lines are going to look like. I'll tell you what mine Quickly drew them up with Bergeron in. I had Marcian Bergeron, DeBrusque, JVR, Zaka, Pasternak, Frederick Coyle, Geeky, Lucic, and I put McLaughlin in at center, Lauko, and then Brown is the, the 13th forward. Say the bottom six again. Uh, Frederick Coyle, Geeky, and then Lucic, McLaughlin, Lauko, with Brown as the 13th forward. Um, who are your snubs here? Greer and Okay. Um, yeah. Um, I, you know, Don Sweeney today introduced Georgie Merkelov to the conversation. Did he? Uh, nobody else had brought him up, but when he, but the question was about young players and, and what the hopes were. And, you know, and obviously the implications are always go back to Fabian Lysel in this yep. conversation, but, but Sweeney introduced Merkelov, who um, I think, is seen by the organization as their best forward down down there. And that if there is a guy who can play center, can play wing and might find a way to get his, find his way onto that uh, team, you know, that might, it might be him, um, you know, and then, and, and, then it, and it doesn't even have to be like right out of the shoot either though, you know, out of training camp, like you could go with this group to start, give those other kids a few more months in Providence and allow them that time to like hop on the train yeah. partially through the year. I think the way this, the way they've done it now is they don't have to force a guy like Lysel, Mirkulov, uh, Mason Lowry, any of those guys into the equation at the start of the year, because they can sort of get by with these veterans for a little while right. until they feel like they're ready. And that would never be, and that's not their style. They like, they always want to, to um, make sure that guys develop in, t- in the proper time and in the proper place and that uh you know and they won't do that so um i anticipate that geeky being a right shot is probably going to uh be in a lineup at either center or but i think the fact that they were willing to pay him two million um per means that they think that he can play in the top nine as needed they can yeah. also move him to the right as needed the right wing remains a hodgepodge because you have the superstar 
And then you have a left shot who went over there originally because they did they needed somebody to play on that side. And yep. because he turned the corner and found magic with Bergeron and Marchand, it's a natural to think of DeBrus now as their right winger. And yep. it settles your top six very quickly to do that. Uh, the JVR acquisition, you want to put him in a position to be successful and to borrow an old Mike Sullivan uh, cliche. <laughs> And, uh, and, and, and so that's an entirely reasonable um, way of looking at the JVR end of this is to think of him as filling out that, um, that second line. The only thing that kind of bugs me about all of this uh, right now is that, uh, is that you need Bergeron to come back in order for this to make any sense. Because if he doesn't, and you figure you get to start from a position of Zaka is with pasta, and then you got to decide, what do we do with Martian? Do we play him on a line with Nebraska and decide who their center is? Right. And is it Coyle? Or do you look at the career legacy of Charlie Coyle and say that as great a player as he has seemed at times in the, in the, as the, 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 uh, the captain of the bottom six, um, anytime he's gone up into that top six, um, it's been choppy. And, yep. and it's never changed for him. I'm hoping he's sick of that because I look at him and I just say, he absolutely can play there. Yeah. I just, it just seems to me like he's been his own worst enemy when it comes to the confidence it takes to assert himself and his skills and simplify and just go and believe. And, um, but you know, so really what happens here, if Fergie doesn't come back is really, is really a, a quandary. Um, and I thought O'Reilly uh, would have gotten more money than he got. <laughs> so in the open market so the uh, fact that i think he, he's a guitar player and musician maybe he really wanted to go to nashville okay. you know maybe that was, maybe that was no. a, the player's choice over money so Who him knows? and mike fisher might, might be new buds right <laughs> <laughs> well and it's you know you bring up o'reilly i did want to get you you know quickly your thoughts on um a couple of the bruins that did sign elsewhere um dimitri orlov two years a little less than 16 wow with the wow. carolina hurricanes that's a lot of dough for orlov well, it is, and but in the Carolina just continues to work the back end and and you know bring in really good defensemen and and you know beef up their their blue line and they then got pushed uh, around worse than the Bruins did. Yeah, yes, by Florida, and, and and this is clearly a reaction to that. Yep. Yeah, and he you know he's got the big shot. I, I thought I was surprised by how good offensively he was and how good a feel he had for almost playing Rover at times. Uh, when he was, you know, playing for the Bruins from an offensive standpoint, you would find him going places and you didn't necessarily, you're not used to seeing defensemen go mm. uh, to make plays in the offensive zone. And I really had not recognized that in him before and seen him do that as much in Washington. I'm not sure it was there much before. I think yeah. that he, I think he's, I've always seen him make a play once in a while, but I've also had an NHL management uh, person tell me that, you know, he's nowhere near the player that Provorov is. Well, okay, from maybe from a quarterback, you know, two-way, three-zone, yeah. minute-munching number one, maybe not in the long run. But in the short run, what you're alluding to here is how well he improvised in a new situation and trying to find himself and be a dynamic player. And Montgomery wanted to encourage Dees to participate. And yep. he had the courage to to just find the on switch there and do things that, that might not be, you know, a, perfectly advisable you've got to take chances sometimes and play by your instinct and do what you believe 
and and uh, and I think that was the best of him in his short window as a Bruin. How long did I mean? Can you really project out that that's who he is now? He's going to play for Florida. I don't know, but but uh, they they're paying a lot, so they got to hope he stays healthy. But that's yeah. a and Exciting uh, acquisition for them. It is. And three years, 10 million, uh, Connor Clifton with the Buffalo Sabres. Great payday for him. Uh, yeah, good, uh, good for Clifton. He's going to miss the snarl that he played with, uh, even though he wasn't the biggest guy in the world. He was a physical player. He was hard to play against. Yeah, uh, they added Eric Johnson, too. Yeah. And I I, I already like that D. Yep. I think Rasmus Dowling is the best defenseman in the world right now. Yep. And I, and, and and I think that – Coming. Yeah. Yeah. So, and power was excellent. I, you know, I, uh, hockey news asked me to rate the rookies. I put them number one, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, um, the local kid, uh, got runner up, but, but, um, but that, but that's a, that's a heck of a team coming there. Um, and also building from the back end out, and, you know, it's going to take time for them to get the front end. Right. But, but, uh, boy, the defense right now is, uh, that's the name of the game. Yeah, Tage, Tage Thompson's a pretty good place to start if you're figuring out your front end. But it, it is, speaks to, you know, as as much as I like a lot of the bones of the Boston Bruins roster, like the other teams in the Atlantic are getting better and improving, yeah. and it's getting harder to, you know, be a playoff team, and it's mm-hmm. going to be more of a challenge this year, and they're going to feel that challenge from a lot of these other teams, like the Red Wings, the, the Canadians, the Sabres, you know, the Senators, all these teams that are really pushing from uh, – from underneath not to mention uh, the florida panthers we're going to sign off in a minute mick just any other um, observations thoughts uh, about the bruins or otherwise on this uh, july 1st free agency day that you saw today um still feel like there's a lot more that needs to happen i find it hard to believe that the bruins have this many players on the contract now with all these signings and there isn't going to be other shoes that are going to drop um, it isn't going to be a cap motivated situation now, but I do feel like, uh, like the summer's not over. So I'm, I'm not, um, uh, feeling hundred percent like this is our team and this is what we're going to be looking at and, and whittle it down from here. And that's what you got. Still feel like there's more that could happen. And obviously the, the announcements that are yet to come down the middle here are going to be the driver in any of that. Yeah, no question. Uh, it'll be, I think everybody's going to be on pins and needles, the Bruins included, to find out what Patrice Bergeron's going to decide to do. Uh, like I said, I think based on just what they did today, the sentiment has to be there on their part that at least they think he's he may be coming back. Yeah. Um, and that kind of fueled uh, some of the moves that they made. I also think it's interesting that uh, Garnett Hathaway did not sign as we uh, had uh, did this recorded this podcast. So he's kind of out there, and there seemed to be a little bit of a groundswell towards him coming back um you know in the, sort of the days leading up to free agency so we'll we'll see how that plays out but uh mick uh collagio um, as always i want to thank you for joining us how about and one I, more point real quick we do one yeah. real quick okay yeah. how about carolina extending anderson so yeah. so really now that you have him you get the kid kochikov and that kid's got a long contract and then you got one more year of ronta I guess there goes my fear that they're going to come at Swayman with an offer sheet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, nobody's going to look. I don't think anybody's offer sheeting Swayman. I, they just don't happen. I don't think it's going to happen. They have enough money to sign him. I don't think Swayman he re- wants to go to any of these places. You know, I guess. Is that, has any player ever turned down an offer sheet? Uh, they, they always used it as leverage to their own club. I mean, yeah, that's, they do sometimes. But like, I think you also have to, you know, essentially say, I want to go there. And I, you know, I don't know. 
I don't know that he's ready to create that kind of a level of awkward situation with the Bruins by doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, does he really want to play in Winnipeg? Maybe he's from Alaska. Maybe that does have some kind of uh, attraction for him. I, I don't know, but that's the one I, I, I seem to, you know, hear or get vibes from that, that they particularly might have interest. But I, I think the goaltending situation in general with the Bruins may be one to continue to watch um, as we go into the offseason. But uh, like I said, Mick, thank you uh, very much for joining us. I appreciate you hustling from Warrior uh, to, to do this uh, with the Pucks with Hags podcast. And I'm going to give a, a little bit of love really quick to our sponsors one more time. Uh, Factor Meals, number America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Head to factormeals.com slash hags50 and use code hags50 to get 50% off your first box. And let's not forget about FanDuel Sportsbook, who has uh, all the baseball bets you could possibly want. Bet against the Red Sox. That is the lock of the century. They are a bad baseball team this year. Um, you go to FanDuel right now, you get 10 times your first bet amount and bonus bets up to $200. Uh, so sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and get up to $200 in bonus bets. FanDuel.com slash Boston. Mick, great to see you. And I will see you next week at development camp. I'll see everybody else at the ring.